Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. I'd like to share that I'm now welcoming clients for health coaching. With my certification from the Institute of Transformational Nutrition and personal research, experience as a college athlete, and unique set of tools and techniques I have learned and currently practice to reveal more clarity and health in my life, I can assist you with nutrition and fitness goals, mindset, meditation, visualization, releasing undesired habits, and more. One example aligned to this may be, let's say you want to be healthier yet you do not have a clear idea for what that means for you and what it looks like nor feels like for you. And working with me, we will clarify and define what that is for you, which may include developing goals, visions, intentions, affirmations, or all the above. I surely enjoy all the above. Then we will develop a personalized strategy to elevate you to that defined state, healthy state. As mentioned earlier, we can introduce various tools and techniques to compound the continuous arrival of living in that state of being. Why? Because it's common to think, for one to be healthier, I got to work out more, focus strictly on fitness. However, there are many other avenues or ways to influence your health. A few are nutrition, meditation and mindfulness, journaling, you name it. So many that I would at least at the time being, even put fitness third after meditation and nutrition. To determine if I may be of service during your growth, you can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call in the contact section of my website and write discovery call in the subject line. That is at solomonezra.wixsite.com slash solomonezra slash coaching. Or email me directly at Solomon Ezra B, S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A-B at gmail.com. I'd like to clarify what the purpose of ebb and flow is. In life, like an inhale and an exhale of a breath, things arise and pass away. There are different experiences in each of our lives that are pretty unpleasantly intense, like an injury. And there are moments that are filled with elevated, pleasant emotions, like the spontaneous fulfillment of a desire. And moments like either of these happen hundreds of times a day, if not more. Sometimes these experiences feel like they'll never end, and others we don't ever want to end. We too often get caught up in the experience that we don't truly appreciate it for what it is, whatever it is however pleasant or unpleasant. One who is in this state of flow, as mentioned in the intro, has this greater perspective to be joyful for any experience because it arises and passes away. 
So why judge it with self-concern? By understanding this, one can transcend the bodily reactions towards situations or circumstances, observe them non-judgmentally, learn from them, and move on forward in a greater sense of peace, health, trust, courage, and confidence, you name it. Many of these reactions we have arise from limiting beliefs we subconsciously created. To become aware of them and to transform them into limitless, possibility-focused beliefs and perspectives requires self-transcendence and a consistent desire to transform, not solely for the end goal of receiving spiritual influence or being the best version of oneself for one, it's a continuous journey, but to also elevate the world around you, to see the godliness, the beauty in every situation. Yes, even that situation that is uncomfortable or that person you're thinking about that's highly unpleasant to be around. These conversations I have are not just ear candy, but for you and me to learn and grow from. For if you hear something you like, write it down. Put it on your wall so you can see it as a gentle reminder. Each guest has something to share that can improve the way we view life and therefore the way we live life. There's no value in a theoretical talk if it cannot be applied to real life. So at the end of the episode, you'll hear me suggest a few practical applications. I invite you to try them and or really use them as an impetus to commit to your transformation. Now let's go to today's guest. On his website, books, and interviews, he is known as a poet, philosopher, and best-selling author. However, I think these are more so expressions of who he is, which is a source of strength for others. Noah ben Shia is one of North America's most respected and beloved poet-philosophers. He is a Pulitzer Prize-nominated international best-selling author of 25 books translated into 18 languages. He is a scholar and a theologian who has spoken to numerous prestigious universities and institutions, including the Library of Congress and the U.S. Department of Defense, and he has been published by Oxford University Press and the World Bible Society in Jerusalem. As you'll hear him touch on today, he was the dean at UCLA at the age of 22, and at 30, a fellow at several esteemed think tanks. He served as a private advisor to corporate and political leaders, was a visiting professor of philosophy, University of California, San Francisco Medical School, philosopher in residence, Department of Internal Medicine, Cottage Health and Health Hospitals, Santa Barbara, ethicist for Sensum Diabetes Research Institute. And he's received great acknowledgement for all his work. Larry King once said, Noah ben and his Jacob the Baker are together a compass because he has, with wisdom, compassion, and humor, helped so many to find their way. He is like a Zen Mark Twain. And on his website, you'll see other meaningful words from influential names like Bob Costas, Howard Schultz, Deepak Chopra, Sandy Koufax, and many more. I reached out to him after reading Jacob's Ladder, and I've now read the original story, Jacob the Beggar, which I really love. You can check out more about Noah ben on his website, noahbenshea.com, N-O-A-H-B-E-N-S-H-E-A.com. The audio begins after Noah and I introduced ourselves for a few minutes. Now let's jump into the conversation with Noah Benshea. 
I'm inclined to think that it's very difficult to know. Very little begins at the beginning. So I, I suspect that uh, the route may have been uh, less visible to you, but uh, uh, it, you were on the journey from the time you have been on the journey, you know? Absolutely. And remember that there's, Nachman of Bratislav has this line that uh, this world is a very narrow bridge, uh, but you shall not be afraid. So we are, we are on a journey, born into this journey, born into, again, to the journey. Uh, and in case you're inclined to think that that's a spiritual, theological, and hence uh, questionable idea, uh, Einstein said uh, uh, that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only change form. Yeah. So uh, we're all in this uh, 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 transformational state uh it's the only state we can be in and um uh somebody once asked me whether i believed in reincarnation i said i do i just don't think you have to die to be reincarnated so you've gone through i have oh, the connection so even to solomon as solomon there was a little bit of a um a lag in the you mean, are you kidding me? Do you mean it's required of me to say something brilliant again? <laughs> you sound like my father now. I can't, I can't, I can't so easily access this twice in a row, you know? <laughs> I have a limited number of, you know, uh, insightful things to say at any 30 seconds, so. That's, <laughs> that's funny, that's what he says. He says, you okay. better remember what I tell you the first time, because I'm not going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to be here with you, Solomon. Yes, thank you very much. It's, I'd like to start with, a short little story how I came across your book and then if if we can I'd love to hear a little bit more about yourself and what led to the starting of Jacob the Baker and your own kind of personal journey that led to that on your website you have a lot about uh, your whole kind of development and it's very nice and concise but I'd love to hear it really from your own uh, perspective your own words but it was what an invitation to any egotist. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting outside uh, reading on uh, Shabbat, I think it was maybe a, over a month ago or so. And just, I love reading, but sometimes I get overwhelmed with reading many different books uh, and different topics. And sometimes it's very in-depth kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I just, I want something really like, very w filled with wisdom, kind of just touching and just something perfect for me. And I went to, I just walked through the, the house and we have many big bookshelves. And, you know, it's, it, you, sometimes you don't notice some kind of books, but then I love the, the kind of paper that the Jacob's Ladder has. It's, I don't know how to describe the kind of paper, but it stuck out to me and I grabbed it. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm starting to read it and it just, it just resonated so much and hit exactly what I guess I, I needed or wanted to hear at that time, many different words that I don't know if I finished it that one day, but there are, there were, I think I cried like three times reading it. <laughs> so I, I wanted to first th thank you for, for putting such beautiful words into beautiful thoughts, beautiful wisdom into concise words that don't need to be overcomplicated that sometimes are and that are also very um, easy to comprehend 
So with that, I, I'd love to hear, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit about yourself and what led to Jacob, the story of Jacob the baker. Well, uh, let me say, first of all, that um, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you before I met you. Mm -hmm. uh, Jacob reminds us that sometimes we, uh, we meet old friends for the first time. And somebody else once said, all my friends were strangers when I met them. So I, I'm honored that um, we connected before we met. And, uh, and now on meeting, same, um, to have no issue in, in connecting, which is uh, positive, given the amount of misconnection and non-connection that most of us live with in our lives. Uh, it's a pleasure. Are you hearing me okay? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, uh, in case you hear me say something that doesn't sound uh, as astute as it should, let me know and then uh, I'll know you didn't hear it. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, I, I'm, uh, I was... Uh, from a blue collar family, I was born in Toronto and uh, first person in my family graduated from high school, let alone co college. My grandparents from, were uh, from uh, Poland and uh, Austria and Romania, that, that, that background. My grandparents would move into Toronto. My parents were born in Toronto. Uh, for me, uh, doing well academically was my rocket ship out of a, a very sort of low, blue collar background. And uh, early on though, my father reminded me that uh, I had been given certain gifts, but they weren't to be used just to get my head further down on the trough. I had a higher responsibility with what I was going to do in my life. Uh, uh, I, was, um, I went to UCLA as an undergraduate, and directly after I graduated, I was invited back as, uh, to be a dean at UCLA. I was a dean at UCLA when I was uh, 22. Uh, I had a book of poetry that came out. I was, uh, taught some courses. Uh, I started being invited to give uh, talks on stages across the country. I was soon introduced uh, as a philosopher, and I began writing commentary both on Eastern and Western religions, which I felt a very uh, strong kinship with, and had students studying for PhDs under me, and was then introduced as a theologian. And um, all of that was uh, very exciting, and by the age of 30, I knew that I didn't think I was as wise as other people might have been saying, and so I punted. And, uh, Moved to Santa Barbara was I was invited to be a fellow at a very famous long-range think tank where my colleagues were in their 70s and I was 40 uh, at the 30th time. And it was um, special. I was there. The, the head of this uh, long-range think tank uh, uh, passed away and um, I wondered what I was going to do it now in my life. I had thought about everything I'd done in intellectual and verbal and I thought I would. Uh, I always loved cooking. And so I thought, what if I did something great with food? And so uh, uh, a couple of other folks, they started something. Uh, it was a bread company in Santa Barbara. And I thought it would be fun. And it didn't turn out to be fun. It turned out to be a success, which was a very different experience. Wow. And uh, suddenly we had uh, hundreds of employees and a big bread business. And somebody who had been a student of mine in a class I taught at UCLA, he said, you know, all those stories you told when you were in your 20s, I want to do an interview book with you. I'm the publisher of a small publishing house based uh, for the Reformed Jewish Movement in the United States, based out of New York. I said, listen, Aaron, great, send me the question. I'm a little busy, I got two young kids, I got this business. And 
couple months later, he writes me a letter. He says, there's too many interview books. Instead of doing an interview book, why don't you do a book about a baker who's really a wise man, who people are always coming and asking questions about life. He says, I know it sounds like a fairy tale, but your life is a fairy tale and you ought to write it. Wow. And so um, I said, okay. Uh, but the only time, and he, they gave me an advance to do this book for a small publishing house, and they gave me enough in advance that I bought a leather jacket, that, just to keep it in perspective here. And uh, the only time I could write uh, was from about 4 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock in the morning, because the rest of my life was pretty intense at that, at that point in time. I worked on it for two years. I finished the book. I sent it back to them. Uh, a number of people got very excited. And... Um, a number of major publishing houses were brought in and it became a uh, bidding war between several major publishing houses and uh, the, the, the leather jacket that I purchased was sort of swept away by um, a very, very significant advance and Random House came in and became the publisher of Jacob the Baker, then Jacob's Journey, Jacob's Ladder. I did five books for Random House and the books were on both the uh, national and international bestselling list. They've been translated into 18 languages uh, and uh, as and I'm the author now of uh, 28 books across time in many languages. And Jacob the Baker was really the the breath uh, that began uh, this the story of a poor but pious baker who lives an anonymous life in a timeless world. And while he's waiting for the ovens to come to temperature in the morning, he writes little notes to himself, trying to make make sense of life to himself. Mm -hmm. Unknown to him, one of his notes falls into a loaf of bread. Woman purchases the bread, comes upon the note, is incredibly moved, rushes to the bakery to see who wrote this, and soon the whole world is coming to the bakery to talk to Jacob with questions about prayer and life and friendship, and the children come after school and sit on the flower sacks to ask him questions. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I feel dramatically uh, blessed, uh, not, uh, not only because of the vanity of some of the of the notoriety and some of the financial rewards that have come with this, but because so many people in so many different countries have told me that Jacob, like yourself, was something that made a difference to them in their life. Uh, change them. Uh, all three of the Jacob books, for example, were on the top 10 bestseller in South Korea and sold over a million copies in Korea. Uh, PBS came to me and did an evening with Noah Ben Shia, and uh, I was in upstate New York going from station to station as they did for pledge shows. They do it on PBS sometimes. And this woman sent me an email and she said, I'm in a hospital and I just had a double mastectomy. And I saw that you said that I should don't let the past kidnap your future. And I thought my life was over. And when I heard you say that, I knew my life was not over. And I just sat down on those little white bumpers in the parking lot and sat there and cried. And I've done that repeatedly to realize that I get to be the voice, uh, the voice of Jacob the Baker. And when people ask me, aren't you and Jacob the same person? I said, in many regards, except Jacob is the one without the character flaws. You know, I, that I feel that are inherent in my own world. So I, uh, I feel blessed to have come into a, a voice uh, that is wiser than I am. Wow. Is Jacob, is the character of Jacob based on our forefather, Jacob, and how he would be in today's world? Tangentially, in this regard. Uh, Jacob uh, 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 becomes Israel 
in scripture mm -hmm. when he uh, wrestles with the angel of God. Yeah. So I think that Jacob, Jacob the baker, is someone who wrestles with God. And when I say wrestles with God, I mean is intimate with spirituality, is intimate with the divine, is, uh, is uh, fully uh, congruent with uh, uh, having uh, uh, God, Hashem, oneness in your, in your life. Um, that's how I, I, he's, um, there's a line at the beginning of Jacob the Baker, it says, Jacob was a reed and the breath of God blew through him, made music of him. Uh, welcome to Jacob the Baker. There's, there's one uh, part in Jacob's ladder when uh, Jacob and Jonah are climbing up on the top of the roof and Jonah says, this view is incredible. And Jacob responds, sometimes or often what makes a view incredible is the viewer. And then I love the, the added part on it as Jacob said, stepping onto the ladder. And you know, the ladder represents in, in, in Hebrew, in our scriptures, really the connection between uh, God, Hashem, and ourselves yeah. with the heavens. Yeah, yeah. Hashemayim, to heaven. Hashemayim, to heaven. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I think what resonated most with me is when you read even something like the Torah or a Torah Parsha, every word has so much meaning. If there's a, an adjective or something there, it's there for a reason. Like, yes. if you, like if you think, if you look back at one of my favorite Parsha, I forget the, the name slipped, uh, but with uh, Rivka, and uh, when, when um, Abraham's servant goes to get a wife for J um, Isaac, yes. and it's, it just comment, uh, comments so many times, she, she brought water until the camels will full, until the camels will full. It's like, why mention it three times? Just to emphasize, at least to me, how I, how I uh, understand is that how much, how, how wholesome she must have been to, to constantly do that. And it wasn't so close and to feed the camels until they're full. And we know biologically camels can like, can drink a bunch. And I bring that up all to mention the, your, your stories, especially with Jacob. I haven't, I, I just realized we also have Jacob the baker in the shelf. So I started reading yesterday, but the words it's, there's, it's nice. And like I mentioned, I think at the beginning, simple, concise, but each word, like uh, uh, so much of the meaning absorbs from it. So even to uh, uh, Solomon, when you, when you think about this, take this now one rung higher yet on that ladder mm -hmm. that not only does each word, each word matter, no word is in the Torah just, well, it's just, you know, the, because I get paid by the word, huh? Uh, no word is it. It is the silence between the notes that makes the music, says uh -huh. Jacob. So it is even what is not said. And if people say, what do you mean, what is not said? And Jacob says to him, what isn't said between people is also heard. You know, you come home and your wife says to you, how was your day? And you say, I said, it was great. How was your day? She says, nothing. You say, oh, as soon as you hear nothing, you know that you're going to hear a great deal, right? It's the silence between the notes that makes the music. It's the space between the bars that holds the tiger. When 
They say that the, the, the Hebrew is made from 22 vowels, 10 con uh, 22 consonants, 10 vowels, and nothing more. And it's the nothing more, <laughs> right, that makes the difference. It's the silence between the notes. And if you think about that for a second, you realize how important that, that is. Let me give you a, my own drush on this at some level, okay? The first word in, in Bereshit, in the book of Genesis, is Bereshit, in the beginning, right? The first letter is the Hebrew letter Beit, which is the header Libra B. It means in, right? In the beginning. But it is the second letter in the alphabet. What is the first letter in the alphabet? It is the Aleph. And what sound does the Aleph make? No sound. It is the silence before the sound. The Aleph is the silence before the first word. It is the silence before the first word. And it's a great reminder to remember that before we talk, be silent. Listen Think. louder, speak softer. As yeah. As Jacob said. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, transition, or not only transition, I say transition because I also love the chapter on. Uh, uh, the Sabbath, which mm -hmm. I'll get to, but uh, that's very cool. I didn't hear that before. I've heard, you know, how, or may have read that it starts with a base because it uh, it hints at the world started, there was a first world that, uh, I think the world of Tohu that didn't, um, let's say, work out, or soon, like in the time of, in the, in the Messianic times, it'll they'll come together, but that's very cool. There's all these midrashim about this and about this. One of them that's good from uh, a guy uh, uh, says that Hashem looked at the letter Beit and said, "We'll start the we'll start the Torah with you because the Beit is bent over in humility. The same way as when you daven, you go like this that you bend your head. The same way when you bend your hair and head in prayer in any religion. The same way when you bend your spirit to a higher source." That's, that's, those are the things that are important. Uh, an extension of this that I recently uh, came on from a very uh, uh, interesting perspective uh, was that um, when, uh, that, that Hashem initially put both, he didn't want to put just the sun in the sky because then people would confuse the sun with God. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when you say your prayers, you can't look at the sun. You have to look to the side so, people, so you're not confused that you're praying to the sun. But then when Hashem said, well, if I put the sun, people think it's just the sun. So I'm going to put the sun and the moon in the sky. So they both come and they're both equal power, equal, of equal strength. But then Hashem saw that the moon also shined during the day. So because it was absent of humility, and shine not only in night, but the day had to take some of the sun's power, it diminished the moon, so it became less than the sun. And there's over and over and over again, these ideas of, of the quietude, the humility that is, that is necessary to achieve a relationship with the, the divine. I'll give you another example. In Christianity, uh, hubris, is the first of the seven deadly sins. When you think about that, you know what should happen. Maimonides' grandson writes a letter to his son, calling his letter. He says, what's the first thing you should avoid in life? And he says, anger. And they say, why is anger is blasphemous? Why is anger blasphemous? Because anger says that you thought you knew what was supposed to happen, 
And because it didn't happen, you're upset, but you're not in charge. There's a hand larger than yours on the helm. And so you have to understand that that perspective. So people say, well, give me another example of this. No, I say, okay, let me draw this one for you. In order to take a breath, you have to release your breath. In order to be more, you have to be prepared to be less. People ask me, what is the great challenge of being a writer? And they say, well, I said, it, you know, my son, when he was young, said, it's my, my father type. Ask what his father does, it's my father types. Typing is the craft. You have to be prepared to sit down and connect with something with, that is wiser than yourself. So you have to connect with humility. Now, the sages teach us that the Torah can teach us everything but fear of God. What is fear of God? Fear of God is that there's something bigger than you, something more powerful than you. So unless you come with humility, if you come inflated with yourself, you cannot learn anything from Torah. Mm -hmm. So unless you are prepared to deflate yourself, you have no opportunity to be inflated. Yeah. Right? It's like what uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, I think it was Leonard yes. Cohen mentioned something about uh, he, doesn't, he, do, he doesn't look for the perfect musician. It's because he looks for the cracks. Right, it's where the light comes in. Yeah, that's his, that's his book from one of, one of his pieces. I'll give you another, my take on this from another direction. Please. The first, the first person that uh, was made by Hashem, how did Hashem make? Well, we get Adam. So first of all, we know that the name, because he blew, it says Hashem blew into the red earth. The word for red in Hebrew is Adam. That's how Adam comes from red, from the red earth. Hashem blew into the first, into the red earth. First part. So now here's, here's Adam. He's got a, a breath of God inside of him. So he's inspired, right? Which means to take in the breath. He's inspired by God. But how, but how, Adam, like anybody else, all he can do is exhale. So if Adam exhales the first breath of God, the person next to him, Yahava, Eve, or the, on and on and on, the breath is just passed from person to person. So the first breath that was ever given to the first person has now been passed from every person on this planet. So we are all conspiring. Conspiring means to breathe together. And in our conspiration, we are inspired. We are all inspired with God, but it requires us to bear witness to this. And the way you bear witness to it is each time you exhale, right? Now, if we thought about this for a moment, we'd understand why in teaching, they tell us there's three words for soul, and one of them is ruach. It's wind, right? Because Hashem blew into the red earth. I told my children, I said, one day, I said, when you see the wind, you're watching God breathe. When you see the wind, that's God breathing. I said, one day when I'm not here, one day when I'm not here, Solomon, you'll remember this conversation. One day when I'm not here, you'll feel the wind. And you say, ah, there's my friend Reb Noach. There's my friend Reb, Reb Noach. Uh, so I, I think that's the, the idea of, of uh, the, the great truths aren't true because whatever uh, ethos I can establish in this interview, the great truth of truth is try. If you don't think I'm right about this, tell me how long you can hold your breath. The only way you can take a breath is by releasing your breath. So it isn't true because no, oh, no, he's done this, or he's been a chief here, he's been nominated for a Pulitzer, he's had these books. It's just a simple truth. You can't take a breath unless you release, unless you're prepared to be less, you can't be more in life. The sooner you learn that lesson, um, the sooner you'll be uh, important, just like everybody else.
it really comments on how it's if you want to be if you want to be have a good relationship you really have to be good at being single the opposite you really let's, have to look, let's, let's, let's look at that for a second to come talk for a second the ability to the ability to love others is premised on your ability to love yourself right because if you can't treat yourself with if you can't treat yourself with respect and love you cannot offer that to others the ability to be caring to other people can't happen if you're not caring to yourself otherwise you can't you these it this is where it it's it starts there's uh uh there are a lot of people who think that the line between God and us is like a vertical, just that ladder. But Hashem says, well, the first five commandments are between me and you. The second five commandments are between you and each other. Mm -hmm. so, the, so the question is, uh, it isn't so much a horizontal line. I mean, a vertical line is a horizontal line between us to get to Hashem. But then we realize that the ability to be able to connect with others requires us to connect with ourselves. So it's an internal ladder that becomes a horizontal ladder that leads us into a vertical relationship. So that's, uh, you know, uh, that's the way I, I see that uh, playing. Right? It, it's, 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 you know, it, it, you're, you, each person is grand, ground zero in this lifetime. You're, this is where it starts. You want to know where to begin, you begin with. And if you get lost, it'll begin with you too. Don't just swim. That's the scuba dive. It's not just swimming, but scuba diving as well. I got you. I oh well. Here's the thing about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, you can you can drown in three inches of water, so you can drown in the shallows in life. It doesn't have to be so deep. Uh, and and here's the thing. You, if you if you let's say you uh, go for a swim in a pool. And you, you say, I can swim a mile in a pool. It's one thing to swim a mile in a pool. It's another thing to swim a mile in the ocean. Why? Because you don't know what's below you. You don't know how deep it goes, right? It's the depth, not only, it's not only the, the breadth in life, it's the depth in life that makes a difference. There are some people who think they have many, many relationships, but they have nothing of any depth. And the reason they don't is because they don't have a, a, they're not in a state of relationship, a, a depth relationship with themselves or uh, because, so that's, that's where it, uh, you know, it's all, um, you have to start by, uh, to you, to borrow what you're saying, you have to start by uh, scuba diving with yourself. On, on that uh, topic. Well, there's one more thing I'd like actually to, to talk about from Jacob's uh, ladder the when Jacob was telling a woman about uh, Shabbat, the Sabbath, and how the Sabbath affords us, beautiful word, affords us a perspective. What, and I've been, and you mentioned also earlier, really a, a pause, not only between words, but Shabbat affords us a pause to gain perspective. How would you describe what Shabbat or the Sabbath itself means because it's not just a day. I think it. I think it means really a a, a perspective of uh, equanimity. I, I will do uh, the first uh, is this. 
there is only one holiday mentioned in the Ten Commandments, and that's the Sabbath. And the reason that it's uh, elevated across the other holidays, it's not, it's not like, as you would understand, holiday. What it is, the Sabbath creates the notion of time because it requires you to know time. If you didn't have a Sabbath, then every day would be like every other day. The Sabbath requires you to count the days and know the days to stop. The Sabbath requires you to stop laboring so that the, 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 the sweat, the perspiration of your labors doesn't blind you to what is going on there in life. The Sabbath is, a, the prayer is a way of tying knots in time that gives a pause between things. Let me give you a suggestion on that. If you take a string of pearls, you notice on a string of pearls that there's a knot on each side of each pearl, and then a piece of strand, another pearl. This prayer is a way of tying knots in time. So you, if, you, if you don't look, it seems like all of life is happening in just one evolving motion with no pause. But imagine this, imagine life is a movie, you see this movie in front of you, and you finally screw up the courage inside of yourself and you run upside to the, what used to be the projection room. When you look in the projection room, you would see there's a film and a movie is really a series of individual pictures mm -hmm. running at a speed which is congruent with your blindness, right? If it went any faster, it would be a blur. If it went any slower, it would just look like herky-jerky kind of thing. So, what we see in life is tied to our blindness. The light that you see in the bulb above you goes back and forth between a positive and negative. It's going at a speed which is tied to our blindness. If it went any faster, it would always, if it went any slower, it would be dark. What we see with prayer is it causes us to pause and make knots in time so you realize the sanctity of moments. It's too much for us to bring sanctity to every moment it overwhelms us it's just it's like somebody who took um, lsd and they took away all the social uh, screening so it would be like all coming at you at one time because sanity really is is a socially agreed agreement is a social agreement we all agree we see the color red that's the color red that's the color blue who the, who knows whether the color blue is blue or red except as we all agree that's the, that's the color so when you pause between the moments you create a social sanity so i think that um uh, I, I think that's what the Sabbath does. It causes you to pause and to be conscious of time and to know that the time will go. They, the great rabbis could be trying to get home before the Sabbath and could keep the Sabbath from coming till they got home. So they weren't traveling on the Sabbath. And once they were home, the great rabbis could keep the Sabbath from leaving so they could extend the Sabbath a little bit longer. But you can't stop the time from coming and you can't stop the time from going. The only way you can exist, and this is what is to be in the moment. In in the in the moment. In the in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the you can have memories of the past, you can have imaginations of the future, but you are a time machine. The only time you can live is in the now. And that's where the helm is. You can only steer yourself in the now. You can have you can have you can have uh, guilt over the past, but that won't that won't uh, that won't uh, improve it. You can have anxiety over the future, but that won't change it. The only thing you can do is to be conscious in the moment. You your your mortal physical self is a time machine, but and it takes you backward in, in memory, forward imagination. But the only place you can, as Jacob says, the best way to get where you're going is to be where you are. 
in the time of where we're moving, the Messianic time, it says Shabbat is every day. So how would you really, um, to me, I feel like it really kind of alludes to like meditation because when I do a meditation, it's like a mini Shabbat. Mm -hmm. And in, you mentioned when you were de describing what, what you believe the, the Sabbath means and what Jacob means by com uh, t telling the guest about it is that it's a, you're saying a pause, uh, more so than a, a, a pause, or sorry, excuse me, but uh, till you can count the days. Otherwise, the all days would be very similar. But if we're, where we're going to this era, and thank God, I think we're coming nearer and nearer, every day will kind of be like that. Well, let me, let me uh, I, I, since um, there's a couple of thoughts. One, of course, they some, it's, there's an old, there's an old uh, Hasidic thing they ask. Uh, uh, they say, if you, were to, uh, if you were to treat every person you met as if they were the Mashiach, it wouldn't matter if they weren't. You say that in this book. Yeah, yeah. There, there is, uh, it's always a pleasure to quote myself in the, in the height of, not to suffer from hubris that Jacob doesn't. But the other thing I wanted to give you is this thought to tie into this about every day in, you know, Mashiach messianic times and every day being Sabbath. The Sabbath is one day in seven. But here's a, a, here's a meditation for you, for, for you to share from a drash from Noah. If the, if the Shabbat, Sabbath is one day in seven to find peace, what if you gave yourself one hour in seven in your life to be in a state of peace? Or what if you gave yourself one minute in seven to be in a state of peace? Or what if you gave yourself one second in seven to be in a state of peace? So that of every seven seconds you lived, you had one second of peace. How would that transform your life? I think it would be hugely transformative because the, the, the peace you were looking for would only be six breaths away, right? The question is whether you legitimately want to have peace in your life, because to have peace requires you to be absent of desire, absent of appetite. It's to be in a state of gratitude, right? Who is wealthy? He who is happy in Pirkei Avot, the Askelder's line. Who is, who is wealthy? He who is happy with his lot in life, right? So that, that, that becomes, you know, um, <laughs> or there's an old Yiddish saying that reminds me that uh, only people with bread worry about butter. So the thing is, you have to be happy with your, you know, your, your lot in life and to try and find a day, uh, find the gratitude. Or as, again, as scripture reminds us, uh, this is the day the Lord gave me and I will join him. Amen. So try to have that state in, in gratitude. In, in gratitude, there's a meditation I've come through in my, the latest Jacob book, We Are All Jacob's Children, where I have this staircase for the soul. So stay with me on this one, Solomon, okay? As a meditation point, breathe in, breathe out, and in. In gratitude, find peace. In peace, excuse me, in gratitude, find prayer. In prayer, find faith. In faith, find peace. In peace, find gratitude. It circles back. In gratitude, find prayer. 
In prayer, find faith. In faith, find grace. In grace, find peace. In peace, find gratitude. I, I assure you that the wisdom, if there is a wisdom, it's not necessarily a required reading for getting older, but if there is a wisdom that accompanies old age or is available to the extent that you're able to uh, step outside of being upset about your own mortality, that, uh, that any peace is peace, finding peace in your life, making peace. There's a, there is a, one of the things I thought about many years ago, there's a, there's a tefillah, a prayer that says, you know, ask for uh, uh, shalom uvercha. It says for peace and blessing. So I asked myself, why does it say peace and blessing? You would think that if you got a blessing in life, that's as good as it gets. I got a blessing. But here's the lesson I learned and I share it with you. Any, any peace you find in life is its own blessing. And any blessing that does not bring you peace is no blessing. Any peace you find in life is its own blessing. And any blessing that does not bring you peace is no blessing. Very nice. I write things wiser than I am. Jacob. Yeah. Wonderful. I think it really comments on also this law that what you focus on expands and so when you're putting your focus on what things what bread quote unquote you have what are you grateful for the more you'll begin to to see that and we get we even have science now to to back that up it's a very uh, uh of bratslav uh, the the the, the balsham tov's grandson nachman of bratslav used to walk with his students and have them walk and do nothing but say thank you, thank you, thank you. That was their that was their prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They looked at everything. So I was, on my own meditations. When I walk in the morning and I'm praying and and uh, meditating, I'm envisioning people who are going through tough things in their life. I sometimes look ah, thank you for the grass, thank you for that bird, thank you for that cloud, thank you for that sun, thank you for this, thank you that I'm walking, thank you that my knees don't bother me, thank you that this doesn't bother, thank you for this, thank you that this. If, and you, and if you, you say, well, it doesn't sound a little ridiculous. Trust me, uh, repeated, uh, uh, repeated states, uh, statements of, of gratitude uh, are, are opening. And the reason is where it says grat in gratitude find prayer, because that's what that you, you know, uh, Jacob says, life is a gift, prayer is a thank you note. You know, life is a gift. Prayer is a thank you note. So you have to be, come with gratitude and you come to prayer. If you can't come with gratitude, then what you're always, then you got, then you think of God, Hashem, as a cosmic bellboy, just here to bring you something. You know, please do this, please do this. But there's guys that will call the rabbis and have them, you know, pray to Hashem for them so they pass their stockbroker exam. Really? You think this is, uh, you know, instead of like uh, being in a state of grace. So uh, the gratitude is, uh, gratitude is the, is the portal to prayer. Um, I'm, you know, gratitude is the portal to prayer, and um, there's no real prayer, I would say, without without gratitude, because prayer, no. prayer is not just words. Oh, please help me with this. You really have to emotional add the emotional uh, part of it, which is gratitude. Yeah, that's like you know, if you no nobody, uh, if you want to knock on heaven's door, you know, uh, look for look for the door that has the sign that says gratitude on it. You know. 
that's um, that's the way it, uh, <laughs> the way it works when it works and when it doesn't work then it's sad quick uh, quick question what when is your uh, podcast source of strength coming out oh i don't think we're i i that that sort of happened and like i, I decided i'm doing i i didn't want to I don't know. I, I, I became suspect of that opportunity itself because I thought I didn't want to talk that much. It's easier for me in a conversation with someone. So now I do uh, some uh, messaging where I put out usually things that last less than a minute because I feel sometimes I spend an awful lot of time, have spent a lot of time in my life. My wife says that Noah's a 2,000-year-old teacher temporarily inhabiting a younger man's body. I spent a long time in my life trying to find the words and for the insight, and uh, I need to allow people time to, to digest it. Like yeah. when you were reading Jacob's uh, Ladder, or if you read Jacob the Baker, uh, it's a bit like uh, Forrest Gump. People think life is like a box of chocolates. You can look at Jacob the Baker or Jacob's Ladder, and you can read a chapter, and you want to go to the next one, next one. But it's better to take it easy. I, I live in Italy part of each year, and in Italian they say lentamente, lentamente, slowly, slowly. You know, the best way, the best way, so, and, and the Japanese say, if you're in a hurry, go slowly. You know, go slowly. So take it. So I'm, I'm not doing a, a podcast. I'm putting out no uh, messaging on a regular basis. And I'll send you a couple of these things. Yeah, please. You, and send them along to people. And I, and I have somebody that adds some video imaging to it. And um, I think I sent you one. I just did a prayer. I, when I sent you a follow-up note. But if not, I will send it to you. And I did, I was recently, um, some people have been asking for a number of years if I would dare to step into the character of Jacob the Baker on stage and do a one-man show. And I did that uh, just before the lockdown. And uh, at a theater in Santa Barbara, it was a very nice audience. And now we're taking it as a possibility of an evening with uh, Noah Benchy and Jake the Baker to, to PBS. And I'm working on a play uh, with uh, Jacob the Baker with, uh, with a very, very fine playwright who years ago had been a student of mine in the class I taught. So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, uh, it's a very rich time trying to put these things out there in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm not a, a shortage of willingness to talk, but uh, as you can tell from this conversation, but uh, you have to understand that uh, I'm a guy who spends a lot of time every day by himself in a small room. Uh, so uh, I, I don't have, uh, you know, 20 conversations in a day. I have times I come on and so when I talk with you or people different places want me to have ask for me to be in a conversation in their podcast I follow your lead about what's of interest and then I can speak about it uh, rather than uh, some more holding forth I like being uh, res responsive about it something else because um, I've, a number of years back I was asked to come and speak to um, the senior management at, uh, but for uh, Gap and Old Navy and one of these big companies. And they, are, they have this talk there is, uh, to their senior executives about some things in life. And one of the women came up to me and she said, Noah, I'll never forget what, I, I, what you said today. I can't, I'll, you know, 
She was like, I, you know, it, she was talking. So I said, you know, 30 years from now, you'll meet some kid and you'll say, a long time ago, I heard this guy, I can't remember whether his name was, was Noah or Moses, but he said, so forget that aside from myself in this, in this moment, for some reason, Solomon, we're having this moment, this conversation. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the transformation in your life that you found yourself in. And so I am like a guy who's a little bit further down the trail, who has nothing I'm trying to sell you, has no angle on you, uh, has no history with you. You've never disappointed me, never told me, you know, like, I just want you not to presume where this interest in your life is going to take you or what you were here to do. I just want you to honor it by being fully in there and watch how it transforms. Yeah. Right? To like, they asked they ask the Taoist masters how they could ride the horses without holding on. And they said, ah, you ride the horse in the direction it's going. That's how you ride without holding on. Ride the horse in the direction it's going. So as you think in your life, somebody this or this or this ride the horse in the direction it's going you know um thank you I, I, I would I, add I it's not a it's not a place i found myself in but put myself in yeah and, and but stay tuned you know uh you, you but you know you find yourself but you put yourself in it right but once you're in it you're the raft not you're the raft not the river right so you're the raft not the river so let us see where it goes. And for whatever it's worth, at some point down the road, uh, know me as, as, uh, as an ally. So if there's something you're doing and you say, what about this? Or if I want to do this or a question, it may take me a day or so to get back to you, but I'm pretty responsive and I know how to type. So I can reply pretty uh, well. If you have a question about something and say, hey, I, from a guy who is older, who isn't trying to say anything, there's no angle on it. I just put that out there. Uh, for you because I what I read is uh, the uh, say sincero say you, you are sincere and uh, so let that don't don't let anything rob you of that sincerity if you can't figure out how the hell do I make a living out of this don't worry about it right just be sincere be into it you're not you're no schmo so you'll come with some you've got your father still talking to you behind you which reminded me you know not to but just don't don't worry about where this is going yet. Don't worry about how do I do this. Or people say, yeah, you're doing this, but are you making any money yet? How many people watch your podcast? Are they got ads on it? Just do the work. There's a um, empirical vote that reminded you're not expected to finish the work, but neither are you excused from it. Right? That's you know, so. Just do do the work. Do the work. Um, when Marlon Brando was in, in acting school, his uh, uh, the teacher said to him, you know, play the part, not the result. So play the part, not the result, in, with yourself, with the things you're doing in your life. That's my, that's my uh, counsel to you from, you know, another side. Thank you. And I will definitely uh, reach out to you about different uh, pointers, especially because I'm in the process of writing a couple books, and I want it to be a fiction story, like Jacob the Baker, but it'll be about a gardener and a scribe. So. You'll be hearing from a gardener and a scribe who become friends or have a relationship. 
or the what? relationship. The, the, the scribe or the, the writer, his name is Ezra. Mm-hmm. John Ezra the scribe. Mm-hmm. Comes in contact and learns from a gardener. Mm-hmm. And she's more so than not just a physical gardener, but she helps cultivate his mind that translates into him and he's able to write, in a sense, write his life. There's more into it than we'll have to. No, no, that's not, so you know, it's, there's something, let me share this with you as a writer. Uh, don't talk about it too much, write it. Because if you, otherwise you talk it out rather than write it out. Hmm. And also uh, write it and don't worry about whether this is good, I'll sell this, how will I do this, just write it, just get it's it out. Down and write. Yeah. It's like whatever just comes out. Yeah, 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 just come out. You'll edit it later. The, Hemingway always says writing is in the rewriting. so. You know, you're not gonna be above being an editor, you're gonna be an editor, just get it out. People say to me a lot of times, people say, I wanna be a writer, and they say, what should I do? I said, write. Well, yeah, so I, write. Yeah. I sit down, I said, write one page every day for, for a year, throw away half of it, and you've got a book. They say, write every day? I said, yeah, what do you think? A writer's a guy, you know, smoking a pipe on a talk show? You know, that's what you get to do. If, you, if you're not gonna be a writer, you'll find out, you'll go crazy sitting at a screen trying to, Get something if you're supposed to do it you'll do it you have to cherish that moment if it's not your moment i like uh there's a story about um wow the name uh one of the other writers he would go to uh, his log cabin if you if you know the story jump in um but he he would go to his log cabin and or to his cabin in the woods and that would that was his designated place to write but he would go there he would let his dog out he would go on a walk and he would just not sit down and write until he came, became frustrated that he decided everything I do at the cabin is writing. When he's walking a dog, when he's going on a walk, when he's cooking, everything is writing. So it's expanding this concept of writing until he just had so much energy, so much urge that he just sat down and wrote. It's in, in uh, Buddhism, there are several states of Zen. There's uh, med- sitting Zen, uh, uh, is walking Zen, where you realize the, the truth in every moment. That, but ask yourself this way, uh, uh, you know, Jacob says, God does not go into hiding because we shut our eyes, right? If Hashem is omnipresent, Hashem is omnipresent. So the question is whether, isn't whether God is there. The question is, are you there, right? So God is present to every moment. The question is, where are you? Right? There's no, there's no absence. You can, like people even like sit, like here's this, if you and I were sitting across from each other, they'd say, look, well, I'm here and he's here. And there's this space between us. Well, perhaps, but it only reflects our blindness. Because if we could, we could see anatomically, if we could see atomically, we would see that there's all these molecules in the air connecting us. And you don't end and I don't begin without us being connected. Right? That we don't see that just only speaks to our blindness, doesn't speak to the distance between it. It's what Buber talks about, the I thou as opposed to an I it. Everything that you see is an extension of yourself as opposed to when you make it an object. If you make it an object, you can make it, you can be Nazis. You can treat it as an other. If it's an I thou relationship, it's an extension of yourself and you have to give it that come back um, on the same way. All right. No, I know we're coming close to an end and I'm sure we'll stay in contact. I really look forward to it. Uh, of course, uh, we're coming close to it. Or we're coming close to a beginning. So we'll see what happens. We may have thought this was the beginning, but we haven't. Stay tuned. 
last thing I want to touch upon. You had a nice interview with, I think it was lynda.com. And you were really mentioning, or you guys were talking about, I think it was really, the uh, topic was essentially shifting one's point of view. And I don't remember exactly what, what it was in that topic. And you mentioned it's more so about the character traits of, of people and how to really shift the way you think about things and the way you, yes. your whole point of view. I Great to be just this uh, the, the, the writer, Aeneas Nin, says, we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. We are. Right? That, that says, and, and Jacob says, most of us aren't lacking for information. What we're lacking is the character to act on the information at hand. Right? So everything else is like, oh, it's an accumulation of information. You know, it's like, which your, your, your father would, would tell you, I, you say, I, I told you this before. It didn't question whether I told you before. The question is, were you listening? Yeah. If you were listening. So that's why I bring up the, go ahead. No. Think of, they think of, we talk about the Sabbath, the Shabbos queen coming to every house. They say the Shabbos queen's come, right? Mm -hmm. But in order for her to come to your house, you have to have a door in your house. You have to cut a hole in your walls to have a door. And when the Shabbos queen knocks on the door, you have to be listening in your life. And when you listen in your life and you hear her call, you have to get up and answer the door and open the doors in your life. And when you open the doors in your life, you have to then invite the Shabbos queen into your life. So there are all of those requirements for us, character requirements in the moment to bring it in. The, 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 I, I wanted to ask, what do you, how do you recommend somebody really practice shifting their point of view by increasing their skill of listening? Because listening is not just with the ears. Listening, as we say, like Shema Yisrael, it's, it's, it's more than just hear, it's like observe. Listening in, incorporates um, body language, listening to the person, where are they coming from? Where is this information? It's, it's so much deeper than that. So I really wanted to get what kind of uh, practices do you, would you get into that really help you, you know, expand your point of view to see different ways so somebody can work on it because somebody understands intellectually, yeah, listening, uh, oh, this is an, uh, I can change and think a different way, but they're so habitually conditioned yeah. to do it the other way that it's... Most of us aren't listening to each other. We're listening for our chance to talk. You know, that's what I was saying to you before about writing. The best way to, the best way, the best way to uh, listen better is to be, uh, is to come to uh, we rather than me. You know? Put around that uh, it, it, more and more it's there, we neurosis is when we, we're inclined to do something which is negative but familiar over something which is healthy but new we are habit driven and the habituation we start something which we think will serve us and it winds up enslaving us so the the issue is how do you step outside of it and the challenge to step outside of it is to um see the we in me. So when you're listening to people, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not saying, they're, they're not saying, they're not speaking out against you. They're saying something in support of them. Get your ego out of, the first place you gotta do is you gotta 
my son, he's a professor now, he's a PhD in religious studies, but when he was younger, he became a, a hugely successful, he was a, a national uh, jiu-jitsu and uh, wrestling star, won the Pan Am Games and a gold medal for the U.S. down in Brazil. And he said is, you know, the first thing you learn when you're coming in at a major level like that is you have to check your ego at the door. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, like you would, you would take when you come into a somebody's the presence of somebody else, take off your shoes in case they're muddy. Don't bring all your dirty emotions into it. Take off your hat and give them respect and check your ego at the door and then see what happens. Awesome. That would be, that would be my conversation. My thing in the shorthand would be check your ego at the door, check your ego at the door. The second thing is, and this is Noah in four words, four words, Jacob, the baker, four words in this lifetime, what'll serve you? Go Teflon, not Velcro. Let the things that other people say slide off you. Don't let everything stick to you. Right? It's your ego that turns it into Velcro. Go Teflon, not Velcro. Mm -hmm. Life will be better. Life will be. Trust me. Life will be. Yeah. To me. No, anyway, early, early on, early, uh, early good Shabbos to you, uh, your, your family. Uh, uh, peace on your on your roof and uh, be well and be safe to everybody on your roof. Send me a little excerpt from something that we've done here. We'll smile and we'll post it up and do something like that. Um, I, I was not just being conversational when I say, uh, I think you're, uh, um, I'm, I'm not running for office. Uh, I'm, uh, so I, I think you're, uh, I think you're a good guy. I think you're a good man and you've got broad shoulders and a good heart. And life is going to require both of those things from you. Solomon, it requires no less. And you're a man who's capable to go to your... Uh, there's a line in Hebrew at the end. It says, uh, uh, Be strong, be strong, and you will be strengthened. Uh, my own shorthanded is be strong, be strong, and be a source of strength to others. Go, Solomon. Go in peace, brother. Go in peace. Shalom Aleichem. Thank you so much, Noah. It's okay. been a pleasure speaking to you and opening this conversation. And I look forward to... Many more conversations and God willing in person soon enough. Halavai. Halavai, as my mother would say in Yiddish. So may it be. Or as our friends in Islam would say, inshallah. Okay, buddy. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. And to all you listening, go in peace. Just as Jacob the Baker says how most of us aren't lacking information, we're lacking the character to act on the information at hand. Let's act on this information. Here are a few tips. Number one, read Jacob the Baker or one of the Jacob the Baker stories. That might help give you a lot of different gems to, to put on your wall or to remember and act on. Number two, what thoughts did Noah share that stuck out to you the most? And what about that thought did you enjoy the most? For example, I really love when Noah said, don't let the past kidnap the future. It reminds me to allow myself to experience something from the past, but to not let it kidnap the future. I may have had a poor experience with a friend, but to let that kidnap how I treat him or the thoughts I have about him or her, or to reach out and just show up for other friendships would be refusing to grow from that lesson. Number three, start your day writing things you're grateful for or going around on a walk and saying thank you to everything you see. It has a purpose. Thank you, tree. Thank you, air. <laughs> Thank you, street. Whatever it may be. It may sound funny, but soon enough you'll see that there's so much to be grateful for. 
and thus more grateful things will be revealed to you. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out solomonezra.wixsite.com slash solomonezra. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.